Welcome to Optimizing Human Potential with some of the top experts in the world of mind, body, and soul. In this show, we'll deal with everything from holistic health and fitness to spiritual growth and consciousness. Here are your hosts, Nicole Cruz and John Kempf. Hello, and welcome to Optimizing Human Potential, Mind, Body, and Soul, brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. I'm Nicole Cruz, super busy mommy coach, helping busy parents get fit despite being burnt out and interrupted every two minutes. And I am John Kemp, functional strength and nutrition coach and yoga instructor. I teach people a scientific approach to optimizing their health and their life quality using movement, nutrition, and mindfulness. And today we are privileged to be to have join us the actual founder of the Holistic Therapies Directory coming out from behind the thir- the curtain over here <laughs> Jock Brokas welcome um Jock is a professional evidential medium spiritual author and teacher and we're going to get into what that means and what he does it is it makes your mind trip so let's jump right into it Jock welcome to the show Hi guys, thanks for uh, asking me and nice to see you all again. And of course, anybody who's looking will see that John Kemp actually looks like Thor from the film <laughs> Thor. You have to get that in there now because you know. <laughs> I, even, I even put the hair down for this episode. <laughs> oh yeah, well. <laughs> all we need now is do you already have this, the, the hammer and that's the hammer. it. Hey, I've got one. I've got one. Thank, listen, thanks for inviting me guys and I'm glad to share with you. Yeah. Well, good to have you on. I mean, I feel like the first thing that I want to get out there, what the heck is an evidential medium? Well, if I had to put, I, I can either put it uh, bluntly or I can put it in nice, I'll, I'll go for the nice words. An evidential medium is, is, is a, a person who's able to decipher or to be able to perceive evidence that would that would stand up to scientific scrutiny, that people who that are suffering from grief or people who are getting messages from loved ones on the other side, that it's not very simply like, I got a gentleman who's passed with the letter J and he looks very portly and he was a very happy fellow and, you know, that could actually fit a thousand or a million other people there. Or the big thing could be, you know, the gentleman passed with a heart condition or he passed with cancer, which probably gives you about, I don't know, 90 million people in, in America itself that pass with cancer and heart conditions. So evidence is, is understanding that you're given, you're given information that is, not, is, is, un, is, is unique, you know, it's very unique that would stand up to scrutiny. Uh, and it can be as simple as, you know, uh, your father or your mother, whoever, whoever you're communicating with the other side, was with you yesterday when you were standing by the flower beds or you tripped up on, you know, or you were, you were talking to your friend, your friend's name is this, or you can understand. So the evidence would be that they are around you in that moment, in that time, that loved ones are communicating with you, that they're not. They're not actually in this state that we call death because death is just merely an illusion. It doesn't exist. We continue our consciousness after the death of the physical body. And, and you know, we're all energy in motion. And um, John, you'll understand that as being a functional coach. So, you know, we're all energy in motion. So we all come from energy. You know, we are energy. So you can't destroy energy. 
energy is, is, is just, it can never be destroyed, but it can be manipulated. So in that term, when we cross over the other side, we're just a manipulation of that energy in another form. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we continue with that consciousness. And that, that, so we're giving evidence to those who may be suffering grief, who can't, you know, can't get on with their lives because they've had a tragic loss in their life. And so we are able to give them information that's unequivocal proof that consciousness survives, that their loved ones are there. And it can, you know, the the evidence can vary in in different ways. And one important thing I'll say is one man's evidence or one person's evidence is another person's failure. So you can't measure it. You you can have a, a yardstick by what you expect of what, you know, evidence is. But... What I may say to you or John could be completely different evidence that means something to you. Mm-hmm. It's very unique to you. So mm-hmm. it, would be your, it would be your unique understanding. Whereas you could, you know, general stuff that, that gets thrown out there is, you know, things like, you know, I see you've got a dental thing coming up, you know, unless you can actually tie down some real evidence that goes with that or what I like to call a pyramid of evidence that, the baseline supports the second level, supports the third level, supports the fourth level on all sides, then that evidence will connect. And it can be it could be very unique. It could be names, it could be dates, anniversaries, it could be, you know, what's what's happening in their lives now, what's been happening. I think one of the, the greatest understandings of evidence is when a sitter doesn't know anything to be true and denies it and says, no, that's not right, I, I don't understand that, but then has to go and ask a third, fourth, or fifth person to research it, and it turns out the information is 100% correct. Hmm. Then you can, you can take away, from a science point of view, there's no way that that could be you know, tapping into the greater consciousness or something, because that person didn't know the information, didn't have the answers, had no clue what the intelligence behind it was, and had to go and research it to find out it was true. Mm-hmm. And I've, there's plenty of examples of that. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and so I'm sure some of the listeners are probably wondering at this point, you know, that this is optimizing human potential, holistic therapies directory, this is, you know, health, fitness, that type of thing. So how does this fit in? And what you do, you actually use your mediumship for healing. And so can you maybe like tie that all together a little bit? Well, a- anybody who's, it's not necessarily just healing, but even in your general day-to-day life, it's not, and it's not necessarily utilizing your mediumship, it's using a combination of everything, your intuition. Every one of us has an, an innate intuitive ability. The way I like to liken it is everybody can sing, but just because you think you can sing doesn't actually mean you can sing. Because <laughs> some of us have voices like Pavarotti, and some of us have voices, I better watch what I'm saying, like my mother-in-law who could wake you dead. So, um, and I, I love my mother-in-law, but I adore her absolutely. So I, I really do. But she can't sing to save herself. You know, and I, I have, a, I, you know, I have a, a famous saying when I say she, she can't hold a note in a bucket. And that's true. Right? If Chuck's mother-in-law is listening, don't <laughs> cry. But... <laughs> but but she can she can still she can still sing to so everybody has the ability to a certain level and yeah. so we use that natural intuitive ability now that intuitive ability i want to separate that from from mediumship how would i use that in my normal day life well i can use that for decision making for health information 
for um, listening to my body, listening to my mind. You know, at the end of the day, the fundamental basis of everything in life is from the mind. Illness basically comes from the mind because you're out of balance, you're out of balance in your mind, your body, and your soul. There's a reason that we, we don't say soul, body, and mind. Most people will say mind, body, and soul. We ever wondered why people, it just rolls off the tongue because it's mind, then the body, and then the soul. Because at the end of the day, your mind is what maybe creates the, you know, your imbalance. You have worry. Worry can cause high blood pressure. Worry can cause sleepless nights. Worry can then affect you in the, in the, the physical. So then it manifests in physical ailments. We have anxieties. So we have mind is disease. And so disease is a dis-ease. So again, break down disease, dis-ease. It's, again, it breaks down, it comes from the mind. So in mediumship, mediumship in terms of healing someone, mediums can't heal anybody. And I cannot heal anybody, right? So, but if someone's coming to me who's suffering through grief, or they're suffering with a lot of anxiety, because they've lost loved ones. Like, for instance, I give you a good example. I do a lot of work with soldiers and soldiers from the past. A lot of people don't recognize that our soldiers are suffering in the material world because of not so much what they experience, their experience, but the loss that they experienced. They lost loved ones. They lost brothers in arms, sisters in arms. They have a terrible, terrible loss that's affect them in their mind. And they've witnessed things in their mind. And sometimes working with these people, I'm able to be the catalyst to their healing. I'm able to, so someone who's grieving, I can't heal them, but I can be the catalyst for their healing. You know, I've got a, a, a saying that I continually tell people, a medium can never heal you through grief. A medium can only comfort you on the journey. A medium can only hold you when the burden's too heavy. But at the end of the day, grief is a journey that you have to take. And a grief, is, a grief is a journey that only you can heal from. All I can do is give you support and understanding. That's it. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it's nothing special. The fact that I have an ability in mediumship doesn't make me a special individual. It just means that my divine authority or my divine power is harnessed more in that side of things that I'm able to use in service to other people. I can help. I can be of service to those that are suffering. I can be of service to those that are in need. I can use my intuition and my inner guidance to perhaps help someone who's lost spiritually and maybe bring them back to a divine understanding, whether you believe in God, Yahweh, Krishna, Buddha, whatever you want to label it. I can bring you back to that understanding. We just did a little ghost that just went like that. Did you see that? And to see that one, just hope that it's gone again. <laughs> Is the ghost wearing a red shirt? <laughs> Hold there, are you a spirit? <laughs> For those of you who are listening audio only, that was my son Eric running across the background of the video. <laughs> so, I mean, mediumship plays a massive role in my life in service to other people. I, I don't have it for the betterment of myself. I don't have it to... Uh, fuel my own benefits. I use it primarily for to help people that are suffering and people who are grieving, and to help people understand life on a better, a better scale. And the fact that I've developed spiritually over the years, 
because I was kind of brought, I wasn't brought up as a medium, but my uncle was a monk. I spent time in a monastery. I had the whole religious experience. I've suffered loss on many different occasions, many different ways. So I have a, a unique empathy with people like that. And I can perhaps see maybe just another spiritual doorway that they can look down to harness their life in a better way in mind, body, and soul, you know, because it's all connected. Everything is connected. So if your mind's out of balance, your body's out of balance. And so, therefore, your soul is out of balance. Yeah. So it's all about bringing balance in. It's not just about giving a reading or sitting with a load of tarot cards. Mediumship's a very, very serious vocation, I like to say, not a job. It's a, it's a vocation than anything, more than anything else. Mm-hmm. When did you know, like, when did you first have your connection with the non-physical spiritual realm? Like, when did you start having experiences and visions? And when did you know that you were going to use that as a vocation to serve others? Like, were there timelines where you're like, oh, wow, that definitely changed my life. And, oh, wow, I might be able to use this to help other people. Well, you know, that's a great question, actually. And uh, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a thing in, in this kind of mediumship and psychic game where everybody will say, I was like that when I was a child and I could see spirits when I was a child and everything else. Well, to be honest, I didn't really freaking know the difference between that and anything else. It didn't happen to me until later in life. But what I will say is I had an inner knowing when I was young that there was something greater than me I had experiences that I didn't understand were psychic experiences or spirit experiences. I didn't know and couldn't label them. Mm-hmm. My uncle was a monk in a monastery, as I told you. I spent a long time and much of my youth there. I joined the vacations ministry to become a priest. I, I, I followed religion. I was, you know, I was bullied like buggery at school. I mean, I really was bullied because of my religious uh, outlook and stuff, you know. So I, I can't say that, you know, I had, I knew what I was. Later in life, I mean, I, even when I was in the army, I experienced spiritual experiences, but you don't kind of get to understand them. What I will say is now when I look back, I can label it and I can say, oh, that was a spiritual experience. That was a psychic experience. That was a paranormal experience. So yes, I was like it while I was young, but I'm not that kind of that one that says, you know, I was like it since I was a child and everything else. I, I really didn't know what I was until later. And it's almost like you do so many things in your life. You have a part-time job, you have a full-time job, and but you, you just know you don't fit in that, that, you don't fit in that shape. You know, you can't take that shape and stick it in the box where it fits. And then one day you just seem to fit. Like you guys finding nutrition and health, you know, you just, you come to this place in your life and you go, it all connects. I've come home. Mm-hmm. This is who I am. This is what I meant to do. Mm-hmm. And that happened for me later in life. I had an experience when my father passed. My father passed when he was young, and he appeared to me standing at the side of my TV set in, in, in Scotland. And I, I'd love to be able to say that I had an amazing spiritual experience and that the the heavens opened and I knew exactly what was happening. But the reality was that I absolutely terrified myself because I couldn't, I couldn't, I, he was gone. He, he had passed and I hadn't really given us a six, a couple of years later, but it was 
can't remember the exact time scale, but it just shocked me so much to my core that I never had this amazing ethereal experience that it happened. I saw it and I didn't, I, I couldn't really understand it, why that would happen and why he would appear to me like that. And it frightened me. So yeah. I had, I had to then, you know, I'm the type of person that I'll take it head on and then I need to start to research. And so yeah. I started to research and then I, I was told by an old medium who, that I was a medium and I didn't believe her. And she, she actually proved it to me. She took me into her home and she said, you know, you, you have this experience and you've been, you've been a, you've had this spiritual ability all your life. And she told me things that would never, I would never have, I'd never shared with her. And she was right. And it was a bit eerie because I remember driving out to see her. My friend was going, I was working as a, a bouncer in a nightclub. And my friend was going to go and see her. Uh, you know, he, she was getting a reading from her because she'd heard this woman, you know, Rachel was, was this psychic. And I said, oh, I'll drive you out. I've got nothing else to do, you know. And then I was waiting outside. And uh, she came out and she says, well, you're next. I went, oh, no, no, I'm not interested in this baloney. You, this, this is for her. She said, no, you better come and speak to me. And she took me into a little room, never charged me nothing. She sat me down. And she told me information about my father and about, things that never in a million years would she have known. <laughs> and then she'd, she'd just prove it to me, and she told me, this is, this is your path. She gave me the ring of her husband, told me to hold it in my left hand, and then told me to shut my eyes, meditate, and see what I see. And I did. And then that's when I realized. <laughs> oh, And then it all kind of made sense, because it's like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. You finally get those pieces that go in. Hello, young man. <laughs> Eric, say hi. Hi. He gave you oh, a thumbs up. See it. Hmm? Do you want to say something to all the listeners? You got a thumbs up. Awesome. <laughs> Do you want to say hi to all the people? Yeah. Say hi. Hi. Anything else you want to say? I want to... I like... I like... Letters. <laughs> he likes letters. Yes, you do. Good for you. <laughs> and what are you playing with right now? My six train. You want to show it? The six train. All right. Nice. <laughs> Fancy. Mm -hmm. We watch you doing fitness with your mother. <laughs> yeah, you're getting strong, buddy. You're, you're getting big and strong now. Yeah, well, now he makes his own videos where he goes, Hi, super busy Eric's. <laughs> 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 He'll need his own show soon. Yes, very soon. <laughs> what did I say? Hi, Super Busy Eric's? Yes, that's what you said. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the, the whole spiritual side of things from a, a nutshell. I, I, I experienced a lot of things in the monastery when I was there. Uh, from seeing old priests that had passed and things, but I, I never really knew what it was. I remember being warned not to delve and dabble with these things because there was dangers on the other side. But yeah. rather like a, a, a kid when you say, don't touch that because it's hot, you go, oh, why shouldn't I touch that? Let's touch it and see. Yeah. <laughs> and, you and you find, oh, yeah, she was right. It was hot. I shouldn't have touched her. So when someone told me not to delve in that side of things, unfortunately, it gave me a thust for knowledge. And, and I, I mean, I started studying 
paranormal things from a very, very young age. I was reading books that I shouldn't have been reading, you know, when I was young. I met my first exorcist when I was a young kid who told his stories. So I guess it was always meant to be as part of my life, you know, that that's the way it was going to be. But I had to be woken up at some point. Mm. Yeah. Well, speaking of books, uh, you have one that I've read and you touch on so many topics in there that I had no idea existed. Like this concept of um, your energy being drained because you're sort of tethered to someone else spiritually. You talk about uh, spiritual causes of mental illness and how you have been able to help people to heal from it in ways that, you know, modern medicine couldn't achieve. I, I mean, I, I want to hear more about that. I'm sure our listeners do too. <laughs> well, there's, there's a, um, a great misunderstanding when it comes to mental illness. And mental, I mean, there can be physical... I mean, I'm not a doctor, right? So anybody who's listening, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychotherapist, but I understand the spirit realm very well. And I've seen in a lot of occasions where people are suffering from mental disorders or mental seems to be a mental incapacity that they're getting treated for but there is there is no change there is nothing so you know in the in the words of, of the great Wayne Dyer there's a spiritual solution to every problem um, and when you look at when modern medicine uh, and modern science cannot identify the root cause of something you have to look at something being a cause outside of the realm of understanding. And so a great deal of mental imbalance or mental illness, I can attribute to, I would say, a spiritual imbalance, if you like, rather than, you know, frightening people into other aspects, but obsessions or spirit influence. So there's a big difference between uh, possession and obsession and spirit influence. And so I believe, and I've had evidence of it because I've, I've helped people with these problems where they have responded more to spiritual intervention rather than drugs or shock treatments or things like that, you know. So a great many people who are suffering in a mental capacity, we have to look at the point that there the possibly is a spiritual imbalance there and there's possibly a spiritual influence and then maybe they don't need the drugs that they're on. Maybe they don't need, maybe they actually need a holistic spiritual approach rather than, a, and I'm not dissing medicine because it has a place, obviously. If you break, break a bone, you're going to go and go to the, the doctor or the hospital and get that, that thing put back together again. So there's, 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 an, there's a place for everything. But we shouldn't shut ourselves off to the fact that there's, there's realms of understanding that people don't understand that we need to investigate to find out if there is another way to look at it. There is another solution to a, perhaps a spiritual problem. And so I've helped people with uh, schizophrenia that, that have boiled down to you know, spiritual imbalance, which needed you know, more education and understanding and spiritual intervention more than anything else. And so and many people that get ill, it's not an actual illness. It's probably from an influence in the mind. It could be an influence from a, a spirit. You know, it could be a negative spirit that's influencing them. You know, so the you have to look at all aspects of it. So I think spirituality plays a massive role in holistic living and in in the world. Hmm. It's the only way to 
if you wanted, there was a saying, I can't remember, there was a, saying, a famous saying, I think it was actually Dale Carnegie, I'm not sure, who said that the way to be happy is to be happy in your mind. Because if you're not happy in your mind, everything else is out of balance. It might not have been Dale Carnegie, actually, but you have a choice to be happy. It's a simple choice. And if your mind is full of anxieties and worries, then your mind is weak. And therefore, it is open and susceptible to spiritual influence as drinking or taking drugs and you know other things. And you'll know from reading my book that certain things happen when people you don't have when people don't have a spiritual understanding. I don't necessarily mean religion, not Catholic, Protestant, or anything, but a spiritual understanding of life and spiritual understanding of of the universe and the laws, the spiritual laws. That, that govern everything in this life, then that makes them susceptible to spiritual imbalance. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, here's Eric again. Um, so people who are listening now who are maybe new to this topic, I could imagine some of them are saying, well, what about the placebo effect or what if it's just the power of the mind? How do you, how do you answer or differentiate between that? Placebo effect doesn't have an intelligence behind it. Very simple. Hmm. When it's a spiritual imbalance, if it's a spiritual influence, if it's an influence from a spirit, or dare I even mention the word demon or anything like that, because I know there'll be a lot of religious people, it's there is an intelligence behind this. There is a modus operandi, if you like. When you're talking about a placebo effect, yes, the placebo effect, you you can say that you know, take this mint. This mint is a super painkiller and it will take away your headache and your mind has the power because you have switched over from it's not an actual fact that mint your mind has the power your mind has the power to heal so your mind can heal anything in your body and your mind so we have that inherent power but when you're interfered with in a way that it's affecting you and your mind your body and your soul and there's an intelligence behind it then you know that it's not just anything that's a placebo. If there's an intelligence power, an intelligence consciousness behind it that is actually manipulating and has an intelligent end goal, yeah, it's not going to be a placebo effect because that intelligence has the end goal. Yeah, it's a different directive. And Absolutely. the thing is, everybody, not everybody, but I mean, there is a whole world of this stuff out there if... You know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. If you want to go looking, you will find what you're looking for. And I even have a bunch of friends that are business associates, you know, lawyers and just like totally quote unquote normal people, non-spiritual people that have had massive spiritual experiences and they don't know how to deal with them. They don't know how to explain them and they don't have anybody to talk to about them. That's for sure. So they usually just lock it away inside and say, you know, it's usually repression just causes more angst and more dis-ease in the mind because Absolutely. they feel separated and, and you know, they, they have that anxiety that what if it ha- happens again? What if I'm crazy and all this stuff? And it doesn't, re- most people just don't realize that there's, it's just like when you look at the spectrum of light that's visible to the human eye, it's one millionth of the entire spectrum or something like that. There's an entire reality outside of what we can see it's like we're looking through the keyhole trying to explain what's on the other side of the door when we could just open the door and and you know the reality is is that everything in life from everything we touch see you know feel experience 
we're experiential beings, but everything that we do experience, we experience from within. And what I mean by that is that we, if I'm looking in this direction and I see this camera here, I'm not experiencing it out there. I'm experiencing it inside of me because it's being translated through that spectrum of light that you're talking about. It's being translated to my physical attributes, to my biological attributes, which are then in turn changing that to an experience within me. So everything that we experience in life is, is within. And if we understand that our inherent power is within and our divinity is within, it gives us an immense power to be able to change our life and to understand others in a more positive vibration and positive direction. But I will say this, it's like, it's like having a cool glass of water when someone finds someone to talk to and not hold those feelings in that you're talking about. You know, a lawyer who is like so caught up with the law mm-hmm. doesn't realize that there is a, a, a higher divine authority above that. And the experiences that they have, they're so terrified to open up to that. So it's like an amazing release when they find that it's not a new agey sitting with a, a candle and staring or whatever you want to do, you know, banging the drum in the sand while you're doing whatever it is, that everybody's experience is their own experience. But yeah. to share in that knowledge helps them to release it. But at the same time, too, we cannot then turn around and say that there's no danger to it. Mm-hmm. Because you can't, to understand, you know, darkness, we need to know light. Like I said before, to understand pain, we, we need to know health. And to not think that negativity exists or that evil, I mean, look around you in the world, evil's everywhere. You know, to, to just deny that fact. Yes, we can have these spiritual experiences, but have them in the right way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be prepared with them and understand that, that we must, Knowledge gives strength to the arm. We must understand our enemy. You keep your friends, you know, friends close, but your enemies closer. You've got to understand the modus operandi of, of the enemy, really. And this is like a, a strategic thing from Sun Tzu, so that you can, you, by understanding them, you can prepare and you have knowledge that you can act upon. You have an awareness, it's an action, you have an awareness of something. So I wouldn't say anybody have spiritual experiences and then open the doorway to everything that's there. Yes, open the doorway, but open the doorway in a, a professional way, in a way that you're protecting, because you wouldn't go out your, your apartment and leave the door open for all and sundry. And think there's no badness in the world. I can I can leave everything in there. Mm-hmm. Let's just leave the door open because somebody's going to come in and somebody's going to take what's precious to you, or at worst cause a worse atrocity. So in the material world, we have to take precautions. So why don't we have to take precautions in the spiritual world? Mm-hmm. Don't make any sense. I'd say a lot of it's just because that's what we've been conditioned to believe, you know, like Wayne Dyer said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change and certain information has been specifically segregated. So these kind of conversations don't happen, but the beauty of the internet and the beauty of what's going on, you know, from a planetary perspective is the elevation of awareness to where this kind of stuff is becoming more normal. Like I just had a podcast with a friend where we were talking about this concept where people used to come to us and as as health practitioners and say ah my back hurts or i'm having this stomach issue and then six months later you find out oh my dad passed away or or i'm dealing with this like anxiety from work now people are just coming to us day one and they're like open my chakras 
I want to, you know, they're just like, people are ready. People are thirsty. They want to know. There's, it's, it's out of the box. Brilliant. I've got this vision awesome. of coming into your place and going, open me up, John. Yeah, let's go. I'm ready. Also, I think like, you know, that's a misconception a lot of people have with science. And I think even like the way science is reported, and I'm sure there are some within the scientific community that have this bias that what's in science now is all that's going to exist in science. And it's like, no, 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 no. Just because science can't explain something now, like there being no evidence to prove something is very different than there being evidence to disprove something. Yeah. Totally different. And, you know, it's, um, you know, also the bias to sort of use what we already know to explain stuff. So, you know, science can show us that there are some people who maybe do have some sort of, you know, imagine things in their brain. And so it's easy to just dismiss people's experiences as that. But at the same time, if there are enough people having an experience, it's like, I may not be able to prove that this experience is what these people are saying it is, but I'm not in that person's head either, nor as a, with a scientific brain, can I assume that they're making it up or it's not what the, what they say it is. It's like, you know, if you, you had like a society of blind people telling someone who could see that the color red doesn't exist. It's a figment of their imagination. And I mean, okay, we could get into like the color red is sort of in our minds anyway, cause it's light vibrations and whatever, but let's not go there. You get my point. You know? a whole podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you know, when you get into science, there is a whole bunch that is unknown. And what we do know is that when, you know, there is something that we can kind of recognize intuitively as like, you know, spirituality, and it looks very different from person to person, from culture to culture, society to society. But we know that when people have this you know, spiritual connection or when they feel grounded in spirituality or when they feel um, spiritually satisfied or fulfilled, that it is better for their mental and their physical health. And so however people approach that, whatever it means, it's, you know, beyond our limited human brains, but it just kind of goes back. Like I look at it. And again, this is just how, how it makes sense to me, how I can connect with it. But I see, you know, the blind men with the elephants. It's, you have these blind men feeling different parts of an elephant coming, you know, reporting different things about what an elephant is. And meanwhile, they're all kind of, you know, right in a way and wrong in a way because they can't see the whole thing. Our limited human brains. I mean, think about it. Imagine if we could shift our perspective, like shrink down so much tinier than an atom to the point that going, you know, from like the air right now into my fingertip you wouldn't notice that you just crossed the barrier between the air and my fingertip. It would just be atoms. Like it wouldn't be anything. And so like the way we shift our perspective, you know, think about it. We are limited to a human perspective. And I mean, there's so much that's well beyond that. And, you know, I think, you know, we, when coming at something from a scientific perspective, have to just recognize how much we don't know. (laughs) It's actually very simple to to explain it to someone, and I love the way that you're you're using a blind analogy because you can take a blind person and you can sit that blind person down and you can give them different coloured socks and they will identify the colour without seeing them with their physical eyes mm. because they're so attuned to those atoms and those vibrations that you're talking about. 
every vibration has a signature. And going right back, even you go right back to Christopher Columbus's time where he was laughed at because he said the world was round and everybody said it was flat and you'd fall off the end of it. But that's, you know, and that brings it back to science. Science is too quick to say, this is a red box when in actual fact is something different. But that's only because that's all they understand and they're not willing to go beyond that. So they close themselves off because they say it's like it, they... It's very difficult for science or skeptics to say, imagine somebody who'd spent all of their life being dedicated to one particular goal to then find out that the goal was an illusion yeah. mm-hmm. and that it was something bigger than them. That throws a scientist's world upside down. Yeah. It makes them, you know, what was the point of me wasting all this time? Where we need to get is we need to strike that balance between spirit and science together. Mm-hmm. And instead of you know making the scientist feel that all his life's work is 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 being blown out of the water, is to say that 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 has had a particular effect and it's got us to this position now. And now we're able to take what you've learned and then what we've learned, blend it together, and come out in new, in new horizons. But unfortunately, there's this big divide. And so you have the camp that says the afterlife don't exist. And, you know, and I'm probably one of the biggest skeptical mediums going. People tell me they've had NDEs and all sorts of things or they've out-of-body experiences. And I'm like, well, there's no evidence of it. If you've had an NDE and you come back and something's healed, like, you know, Anita Anjani, who was dying of cancer and only had so many days to live and had an NDE, came back and was healed, you tend to think, mm, okay, something in this that I need to study. But I can, you, you, we, we can all sit here and have an out-of-body experience and create it in our mind. doesn't mean that it's right. It means that it's right for us at that moment in time, but it proves nothing. There's no evidence. So I'm a big evidential medium from that point of view as well. Evidence of spirit, evidence of the intelligence and in action. If we're having these, out, out, these experiences, these NDEs or these out-of-body experiences, or these experiences in, in mediumship, there has to be some evidence that's going to be able to bring the science and the spirit together. And that's where we have this big, this void, is science, certain science is not willing to cross the bridge and to meet us halfway because it throws their whole world upside down. It's like, you know, when, when I think years ago, you, you did a, a, a thing, John, I think a long, a, a long time ago in video where you were actually talking about at one point, you were talking about the science of biology, about fitness and something. And at one point, they didn't believe one particular aspect of it. And then it was proven to be right or wrong. And they moved forward. And they, I can't remember what the episode was. It might actually have been you two of you talking. But unless you're willing to say, I was wrong and admit it and move forward, we're never going to get that balance. We're always going to be fighting against a wall, a brick wall. We're always going to be fighting against something. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's sad because we should, it should be working hand in hand and working together because fitness has evolved. Health has evolved through the years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Science then- is too quick to give us a chemical, but God has given us everything we need to heal in Mother mm-hmm. Earth. That's the thing too, is posing the question, you know, hey, I have this medicine, but science hasn't empirically validated its effectiveness yet, but your wife is dying and this could potentially work for her. Would you do it? Of course you would. You would do it for your loved one. 
You know, you don't need to wait around for science to prove it until it's too late. You got to have the, you know, the willingness. And, you know, it really at that point, kind of like what you were saying is learn from the experience, but then detach from the story because it's going to continually evolve as we go anyway. That's one of the biggest lessons to learn is the world was flat. It served a purpose at that time. Then it was round and you have to detach from the idea and move forward. You know, the greatest thing is you, you were talking about lawyers earlier on. There was a case earlier where, um, I, I don't know if this was on YouTube or something, but there was a lawyer that basically gave, I think he gave his son CBD oil or he gave his son um, cannabis resin because mm-hmm. he was dying mm-hmm. and he knew that he was breaking the law and he knew that science hadn't you know, proven it or anything, but he knew in himself, he knew this was going to work. He, he, yeah. he, he, so he brought the law, he went and did it because that's what he would do. And that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, he, it's a great example. He, he went forward with it. He said, sort it. You know, material world is there and they're not believing it, but I know that this is going to help my son. So therefore, I'm not going to be governed by what they say. I will do this in, in, in uh, service to my family or service to humanity. And mm-hmm. I think he stood up and he fought them. I don't know whether he won or where he got done with it, but I mean, look what's happened now. Look yeah. at how well CBD and, and cannabis has been taken on board. Whereas before it was a taboo subject. Yeah. And yeah. now even with the MAPS programs, they're using psychedelics like psilocybins, one dose in a controlled setting with a nurse there to walk them through the experience and six month, one year follow-ups, PTSD completely cured, anxiety and depression completely cured, like from one thing that came from nature that is, is there's that huge scientific divide, but Look back in time. You know, there's records of this stuff for thousands. Thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Thousands of years. Big thing at the moment is mindfulness. You mentioned mindfulness and meditation. Thousands of years old, but only now it's become yeah. the cool thing to get involved with. Yeah, It's a technology. It's the same for mediumship. Mediumship is the cool thing to do, which yeah. is not really a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, like... Sorry, go ahead. I just said it's just using the tools appropriately. Exactly. Yeah, no, to be fair, like science as a method, you're supposed to be very emotionally detached. And if new evidence comes up, you're supposed to be able to discard whatever it disproves. And I think those who are trained and really passionate about science have that mindset and sort of know the things that, you know, like I was saying, there's a difference between there being no evidence in support of or there being evidence to disprove something. Like, you know, I feel like people who are, you know, scientifically minded, it's like, well, yeah, of course, that's how it's supposed to be. But then there's the way science is used and the way science is reported and the way it, you know, comes out in media and the way it comes out in the mainstream, which is totally different because a scientist saying, well, the evidence seems to point to the, to this working like X, Y, and Z, and we want to do follow-up studies to confirm, turns into chocolate makes you healthy. And (laughs) (laughs) yay! (laughs) As you hear a resounding resounding, uh, applaud from all the women in America. (laughs) Yeah, you know, but so to be fair, like there are, you know, a lot of scientists, I'm sure, who, you know, like this isn't against science. It's against, I think, bad science or using science in a way it's not meant to be use like real science would come up against evidence of something new and be open to it and maybe they'd say you know our current paradigm 
shows that it's more likely to be X, Y, and Z, but studying it further with the right evidence, they, you know, a real scientist will change their mind or will say, you know, I can't explain this. And that doesn't mean it is or it isn't true. It just means I can't explain it. I don't have the tools to measure and do a, an experiment that would allow me to determine this. And so therefore I have to just kind of abstain from commenting or, you know, just theorize, but you know, I, I, I so think that is real science. I think it's a good thing for scientists to recognize, though, because we, we, we're talking here on, on holistic things and, and the mind, the body, and the soul. The science came from the mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and scientific, scientific discoveries come from the mind. Mm -hmm. You know, the thought, pro we have to have an awareness. I always say we have awareness and action. And one of the things I teach a lot of my students is three simple words of life to learn anything. Perceive, believe, conceive. First you perceive it then you believe it, and then you conceive it in a reality. The reality is, is that everything is from the mind. And the mind is a pattern of intelligence that comes from divine will. We don't exist. We only exist because the spiritual force that created nature, that created the world, that created everything, has animated us. And therefore, that same spiritual force has an animated science. It's animated the great minds that have made breakthroughs in science. Everything that exists in all parallels, in all universal consciousness, exists from a simple thought. Yeah. And there's a great book from the past. I'm not sure, can't remember who wrote it, but thoughts are things, or as a man thinketh, and so he be. There's these the sayings, you know. It's true. You can have success if you can train your mind for success, and you can have health if you train your mind for health. The problem is, is we get our mind in the way of everything. And science has unfortunately distorted that aspect of the mind because when someone thinks of disproving something, it has to come from the mind, a thought process. They have an awareness of something that might not fit with their perception of something. And then they have to investigate it or somebody goes down another path and decides, well, wait a minute, if we do this, this is going to give us the result. It all comes from thought. Mm -hmm. which means it all comes from a divine authority. It all comes from an energy bigger than ourselves. Yeah. The mind makes a great servant and a poor master. And when you can detach and be yeah. the observer, then you can create that motive and direction to train the mind as you will, as opposed to letting the mind train you. Like Aristotle said, it is the mark of an educated being to entertain a thought without accepting it. Being that open-minded skeptic, and, you know, the, the, again, it all goes back to the practice of meditation, right? Sit down and be aware that these thoughts are there, but you are not them. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, the, I, I've heard that so many times, and it's a great analogy. And, the, you know, there's, there's spiritual gurus from India have spoke about the science of this for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And they, they even knew about, you know, Aristotle and all these great thinkers of the world, um, you know, Greek philosophers way back, that, that were way beyond us. Mm -hmm. So if they already knew it, why are we fighting against it now? Right. Some of these Indian gurus, have, 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 they create some amazing environments just with their mind. Yeah. They can achieve so many great things. But the problem, what they've focused on, as you said, the detachment, the detaching from the mind. Detaching from the, the self, from the physical self. The That's outcome. the hardest thing to do. Yeah, for sure. For us to get detached. Conditioning, yeah. But also I mean, it's the bias, like the theory of progress. Like we're, 
that's always moving forward, getting wiser, getting smarter, and therefore people who lived in the past must have been inferior somehow, and we should just dismiss what they believed and what they practiced as being silly and you know ill informed, and that that's a that's a bias, you know. Like here's something you can try this, and this will this will bring everything to to kind of full circle with you, because the thing is, is that we can only concentrate on one thing at a time. The mind can only concentrate on one thing at a time. If you shut your eyes now and you listen to me and I say, right, okay, so shut your eyes. Think of a banana and only a banana, but at the same time, think about what you're making for dinner tomorrow as you think about the banana. (laughs) It's impossible. You can only think about one thing at a time. The secret of understanding that one thought is the only thought you'll ever have in that moment and having an awareness. I've always said to students that in order to change or do anything in their life, in order to have even understand your divine power, your divine will, your divine authority within you, you have to become aware of being aware, not have the awareness of the action, not have the awareness of what's wrong. You have to have the awareness of the awareness. When you have the awareness of the awareness, you've gone beyond that stage. You're in the divine state. When you meditate and you take a deep breath in, People concentrate on the in-breath and they concentrate on the out-breath. But the, the signature, the signature of that vibration, that divine power, is that space and time between the in-breath and the out-breath. That space and time where silence exists, where the power of everything within you is at its most functional, powerful aspect of your own divinity, that's when you can start becoming aware, aware of being aware. When you get to that point, and you work on that point, then you know that you can segregate the mind from that one thought, concentrating on that one element at that given time, and giving it your full focus, which it, it harnesses any power that you have within you. Perceive, conceive, it's the same thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there he is. <laughs> Casper the friendly ghost. Hey, buddy, we'll look for them, okay? We'll have to look on Amazon. <laughs> I'll I'll see if they have it. Um, yeah, if any of our listeners know where we can find a model uh, M1 or what's the other one? B35. Or B35 bus. Uh, this is urgent. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some real problems here. I mean, like he doesn't just have buses. This is, you know, he has this is the M34. It's, you know... He's very particular and... He's like, don't touch that. (laughs) You know what? He's teaching us a great lesson. He's he's teaching us a great lesson because here we're debating the universe. Here we're debating mediumship, afterlife and everything else. And Eric is just being. Present. Mm -hmm. He's just in the moment and doesn't care and has no worries. It's only as you get older and your intelligence starts to creep in with the perceptions of the material world and the perceptions of everybody else. And, and that's, you know, that, that brings me to a point of believing. When someone says they believe in something, it really means that they disbelieve in something because the reality is when you believe in it, you're believing in another's perception. To know something is divine. To know something is different. Mm-hmm. We're always trying to find the answers to something. But look at, look at Eric now. He's just in the moment. Mm-hmm. Happy. <laughs> Very good. 
Absolutely. Well, I definitely. We can learn so much from our children. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Great teachers. Yeah. We, I, I definitely feel like we should be observing them and listening to them a lot more because we lose the mental abilities that they have. And those mental abilities are valuable and can be harnessed, but we like to belittle them and ignore them and, you know, devalue them. And we do that, I guess, at our own disservice as a society. We are based in the perception that we have to achieve something. We have to be what people expect us to be. And we're always fighting against the tide. Yeah. When, when, when people are grieving, there's an expectation of what their grief should be. There's an expectation of what success should be. There's an expectation of what happiness should be. But at the end of the day, the reality and the true word is just be. Two yeah. letters. Mm-hmm. Like OM, when they're meditating, just one vibrational. We make everything so difficult. In reality, it's simple. But we cause our own destruction or we cause our own problems because we are trying to live up to an expectation of what others' perceptions are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We could learn so much just by watching nature. Yeah. That's John (laughs) Brokos. I told him that's Jock, and he goes, no, that's John Brokos. (laughs) (laughs) He was reading your uh, your little square on Zoom. (laughs) Who's it? No, Mommy, that's That's John Brokos. People call him Jock. You can say hi, Jock. Yeah. You want to say hi, Jock? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that almost sounds really quite scary. That actually, <laughs> imagine that. He's still like, no, no, no mommy, that's Whoa. John. That's that's John Brokus. He's like, no, mommy, you got it wrong. <laughs> say hi, Jock. <laughs> he just keeps telling me in my ear. He's like, mommy, it's that's John Brokus. That's John. Brokos. <laughs> You're going to confuse people because I don't write under that name. (laughs) Well, I'm sure everybody wants to know a little bit more about your book. Um, So if anyone wants to learn more about what you do and especially more about the evidential approach that you take, which I found to be absolutely fascinating um, as, you know, kind of the, you know, a little bit of a research nerd. (laughs) So... uh, I am. I'm re- and so I was, I was reading and I was like, oh, this is fascinating. I love this. <laughs> um, this is very interesting. But I'm sure people want to hear more about it. So tell them about the book. Well, you know, oh. I, I wrote the book Deadly Departed. It's taken nine years of writing and five rewrites of it to actually get it to a point where I was really happy with it because I wanted it. It's, it's more a reference book that people can refer to time and time and time again. And I think the biggest accolade that I've had, I mean, I have doctors and scientists that are using it. I have teachers and organizations that are using it for their students. But in the same point, though it's a scary book, it's actually an empowering book. It does empower you. And so it's, it's just as valid for people with families. The greatest, you know, the greatest accolade I, could, I ever had was from a young woman who reached out and said, you know, this is just valuable to my family as it is to anybody else. And as the scientists said, this is valuable for anybody who might be suffering from, you know, kind of psychosis or spiritual influence and that kind of thing. So I wrote Deadly Departed to bring light to the reality of the afterlife, but also its dangers, and to learn the lessons in between those pages. 
um, to learn the lessons that actually harness your life in, the, in your daily life as well as, you know, uh, in your spiritual life as well. I mean, it has everything in there from understanding mediumship, understanding the afterlife, understanding demonology, witchcraft, ghosts, paranormal, hauntings, and everything else. But read between the lines, because between the lines, it's empowering you. It's giving you knowledge and it's giving you wisdom. And it's allowing you then to harness your own intuitive capacity to make the right decisions and to be able to discern between that which is good, that which is evil, and that which is just in you know a, a state of ignorance. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's uh, and and the thing is, one of the things that I do, unlike a lot of authors, I have a readers group, and a lot of some people don't join the readers group because they're very they're scared about coming in and asking questions that they might have experienced. But I'm getting more and more people again. So when people buy the book, they can actually come and join the readers group, and they can ask questions. And I answer those questions in video lessons, and I teach those video lessons. I teach them on YouTube. I teach them in the in the course in the 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 group that I that I run as well. And I run a group for you know for grieving people as well. But I don't allow mediums to frequent that group, trying to get grieving people to have readings and things like that, because that's not what it's there for. It's there to give them support, understanding, education and a place that they can express their hurt, their grief, their sorrow, and learn from it, rather than having every would-be medium and psychic jump on them to give them information and evidence they don't necessarily need and mm-hmm. that they're not ready for. So I, I kind of run that very, you know, like a, an iron fist, really. It's, it's, it's there for the people who are grieving, and that's the way it'll always be. I don't even, I will teach in it, but I, I don't promote myself as a medium or anything in there. So I would encourage anybody to read the book. It's not just for mediums or psychics anymore. And I didn't realize that until it started going out and I started getting people contacting me and saying, this is amazing. You know, this, is, this is helping me in my daily life. And the great thing is I've had people who have been suffering from bad hauntings that have, you know, and have them ongoing or have those negative experiences and it's empowering them to deal with it. It's empowering them to realize that it's that they, they're not alone and they don't have to call, you know, Ghostbusters out, a paranormal team that doesn't have. And I'm not putting paranormal teams down because there's some fantastic paranormal investigators out there that are really knowledgeable. But there's a lot of idiots out there that are not so knowledgeable and can cause more problems than it's worth. So Deadly Departed is it's not a small book, but it's an easy book to understand and there's a lot of information in it. And it's only part one. There's more. Wow. wow, there's more. There's a subtitle, Deadly Departed, The Do's, Don'ts, and Dangers of... Afterlife Communication. Afterlife Communication. Okay. The Do's, Don'ts, and Dangers of Afterlife Communication. It's available on Amazon. Is it available anywhere else? Amazon, all the online stores. You can buy them in bookstores as well. I know it's going to be relaunched, I think, this October. Uh, there's a big relaunch that's happening with it. And uh, it's going into foreign language as well, but it's 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 probably the best book I've ever written, and it will be the one. It, I actually say to people that it's a book that has its own life, it has its own consciousness because it's going to continually grow, mm-hmm. and it will continually evolve, and it will always be there as an educational resource to serve people. Mm-hmm. And in so the words people- of a famous spirit guide, the greatest gift that you can give humanity is the gift of service. And that's one of the reasons, that's one of the ways I do it. Definitely. Um, 
for people who want to learn more about you, follow you, get in contact with you, let them know where are you, where are you available? My website. Besides the holistic therapies directory. (laughs) For those of you that don't know that I actually own and developed and run the the holistic therapies directory. um, My own website, personal website is jockbrokers.com. I do help. I, uh, I do help people that have problems, spiritual inter- you know, influence, etc. Um, I don't charge for that at all. Uh, people that reach out to me, I will take my time and I'll help them. I also have lessons on YouTube. You can find me on YouTube just by putting my name, Job Brokers Evidential Medium. You'll find it. And I'm on all the normal social medias. But I'm a fairly actual private person. I don't do a lot of shows. I, well, I pick and choose. I really do a lot of professional type you know, shows with doctors and things like that and, and other organizations, but I don't, I'm not out there continually promoting myself or anything. So they can find me on social media, jobbrokers.com or on YouTube. They can join, if they buy the book, the only stipulation is, is they got to show a picture of them holding the book or holding their Kindle with the book on it. And then they'll get access to the site and they can ask anything. And I'm happy to teach anybody anything they need to know. Awesome. Knowledge is there to be shared, not to be kept. Mm-hmm. Truth. All right, well, and if John, you want to join they can go to that as well. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> well, yeah, no, Jock, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you all for listening to Optimizing Human Potential, Mind, Body, and Soul, brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. Thanks to this man, Jock Brokas. <laughs> uh, make sure you subscribe and follow us. And um, if you're looking for a holistic practitioner or want to uh, share what your practice is with other like-minded people, uh, make sure you check out the Holistic Therapies Directory. Leave us a rating and review for the podcast and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to the Optimizing Human Potential show. Don't forget to rate and review. For more information, you can visit www.holistictherapiesdirectory.com. And from their website, you can check out their social pages. We'll see you in the next episode.